You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. The Holy Spirit reveals at this time that this baby is the hope of mankind, the hope of the nations. And so when he sees the baby, the Holy Spirit fills him, and he begins to prophesy, saying, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. He prophesies and he declares, this is the Messiah. This is the hope of mankind. This is the light for the Gentiles and the hope for the people of Israel. And then just a little bit later in verse 36, we see Anna. And Anna also prophesies this baby was the Messiah, a second witness that was needed to confirm that what, the, what Simeon was saying was true. And I want to start just by talking what, uh, a little bit about Anna and what little we know of her. And she was from a, a, a specific tribe, Asher. She was advanced in years, probably 84 years old. She had lived with her husband for seven years until her husband passed away. And so from that point on, she is a widow, likely also having no children. She is a widow, and she is childless. And it's likely that she has been a a widow for over 50 years. And I want us to stop and make sure we understand what it meant to be a widow in this time period, how difficult that was, how that was actually the lowest in the socio-status you could be. We go back to the Old Testament and we think about um, Ruth and Naomi, how they were both widows, and how, how they were able to gather in food was they would have to go into the fields after the harvesters had gotten the harvest and go into the field and pick whatever was left. The Lord had actually told his people in the Old Testament that that was what they were supposed to do. They weren't supposed to pick every single thing off the the grain or whatever else. They were supposed to leave some for people like widows to come behind and to gather food because they were not able to provide for themselves in this culture in this time period. And then what we see is this. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, we see deacons are established. Now, why are they established? They are established because the Hellenist Jews, Hellenist Jew widows, were not being provided for like the Hebraic Jews. These widows were not being provided for like these widows were. But what what I'm trying to make a point of is that widows were needy and were constantly needing the help of others in order to continue on. So, Anna here in this text is someone in great need, in constant need. She is not someone that has been, that can easily provide for herself. She doesn't have a husband to help her. She is someone who is in desperate, desperate need. But what she does in that moment when she loses her husband is she doesn't rebel against the Lord. She doesn't get angry with the Lord. She doesn't shake her fists at the heavens, but rather moves to put her hope more in the Lord. She 
chooses to put her hope more in the Lord than before. And if you're like me, this is a point in this text where I become very convicted. Because when something bad happens to me, which if you're like me, happens pretty often, we live in a fallen and broken world, I am prone, not to shaking my fists at the heavens, but rather to, to get angry, to get frustrated, to feel alone, to feel abandoned, to feel confused. For me, it's financial anxiety. For some of you in here, it might be the loss of a family member. It might be uh, losing your job. It might be hardship in your job. It might be infertility. It might be uh, on and on I could go. We have things that cause our suffering, that are pain. And when this happens, maybe you're like me and you're prone to get frustrated, prone to get angry, prone to be confused. And I want to remind us of a couple things, because I think Anna really remembered this and held on to these truths. And I think I am prone to forget them. One, each and every one of us are deeply loved by God. Not liked, not put up with, not like, oh yeah, you know, there's Chase down there, he's, he's all right. You are deeply loved. And how can we know this? We know this because of the baby. The baby in this text, the incarnation, the reality that God left the throne and came down and became a baby proves to us beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you so much that he will stop at nothing to get you. He will come after you. He will leave the throne to come down and to rescue you. You are loved. I am loved. You're not abandoned. You're not forsaken. You're not alone. You're not just liked. You're loved. How quick I am to forget this. I'm loved. You're loved. It doesn't matter what comes. God truly, deeply loves you. And the evidence is right here in this text with a baby. And... God works all things out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. All, in the Greek, means all. So when I'm quoting that text in Romans 8, all things work out for good, it really means all. So that means when something bad happens, and it will, and it does, and it has, All things will be made good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That is also tough for me to accept and believe and to hold on to. Because the reality is this world is incredibly broken. Anna lost her husband after seven years and spent 50 plus as a widow in a culture where she was stuck And yet, she believed, without even knowing the text of Romans 8, because it hadn't been written yet, that God would work all things for good. We have a more clear picture of who God is than Anna did. 
because we have seen not only the incarnation, but we have seen a visible, a visible sign, a representation, a reality that God has made all things that are bad into good. When Jesus dies on the cross, that is not good. That is an injustice. He should not have died. And yet, God used this horrific injustice and made it for good. Jesus is our clear sign from God that we are loved far more than you can possibly imagine. And that God is far more good than you really think he is. So when the hard times come, and as they come, I want us to be more like, I want to be more like Anna. I want to rest in the reality that if this is the path that the Lord has set, what I did not want, what I have been afraid of, what is my, the worst thing that I can think that would happen to me, when that is the path the Lord has set for me, I want to be strong like Anna, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come and to do this in my life, that we might rest in the reality that we are loved and that God is good and he will make all things out for good. So Anna, in the midst of incredible loss, holds on to those realities and puts her hope in the coming Messiah. She puts her hope in the coming Messiah. And in this text, you can kind of see woven in by Luke and by Simeon and Anna a theme. A theme that was really her hope. What was her hope that she placed Really, all, she pushed all of her chips in on. What was her hope? And I could go back to the Old Testament. I could really pick many. I could pick many different texts. But I want to start with Isaiah 49. I'm going to go ahead and read the first 13, which I know is a lot. But I want us to take a minute and meditate on the hope that Anna has. And the hope that we now have too. Isaiah 49, starting in verse 1. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, my, and my God has become my strength. He says, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in the time 
of favor I have answered you. In In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to appropriation the desolate heritage, saying to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, and all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them. By streams, springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and the west, and these from the land of Syene. Sing for heavens, sing for joy, O heavens, exalt, O earth, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. This is one example of the hope that Anna had. She placed her hope fully in the reality that there would be one who would come, who would be not just someone who would bring back the people of Israel, but would also be a light for the nations. He would be a light for the nations, and I love what it says here. Saying to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, and on the bare heights be their pasture. For he who has pity on them will lead them. By springs of water will guide them. This was the hope that Anna had. She truly believed that God was going to come, and God was going to make all things right. Not just right, but far better. Anna, who had no hope in this life, who was stuck in a very difficult situation, placed her hope fully in the reality that would come. And then, because she set her hope fully in this reality, she began to labor towards it. She began to labor towards this hope. And the way that she did that was by praying and fasting. She devoted herself to pleading with the Lord daily to come and to do what he promised he would do. She gave her life fully to this. Now, the question is, wouldn't God come and do what he said he was going to do without prayer? Of course. He's the Lord. When he says something, it will be, even if it's not yet. But is it also equally true that prayer and fasting causes the Lord to respond, that, that the Lord chooses to respond because the people devote themselves to prayer and fasting? The answer to that is equally yes. Is this paradoxical? Paradoxical, yes. But both are true. And we see many examples of this in the scriptures. For example, I'm thinking of Acts chapter uh, 12, when Peter goes to jail and the people begin to pray and ask the Lord to help Peter. And what happens? But the angel comes and releases Peter from jail, and Peter gets to go back and continue on in his ministry. Would the Lord have done that with Peter? Probably, maybe. 
But did the Lord hear the prayers of his people and respond? Yes. And there are many more examples of this in Scripture. Sorry, my microphone's being weird today. But Anna devoted herself to the hope of the Lord and then chose to respond to this hope by praying and fasting that it would come about. And in this new year, as we begin again, we begin again and we start again in this new year, I want to encourage us to place our hope in the Lord. Because the reality is, Isaiah 49 has already begun. I love what Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 9, says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's happening now. Jesus' reign is expanding. We know this because we're gathered together right now in Houston, Texas, worshiping him under his rule and authority, and his peace is continuing to grow. Isaiah 49 has begun. We do not see it in its fullness yet, but it has begun. And now the question is, are we willing to do the good work of laboring in prayer and and fasting before the Lord to ask him to continue to bring his kingdom, to continue to expand his government and his peace? Are we willing to do the hard and good work of praying and fasting to ask the Lord to open the hearts of our neighbors to the gospel? To bring about revival in a place like Montrose, where it seems like revival is a marathon away? Are we willing to labor? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to fast and ask the Lord to move? Because Anna fasted and prayed for 50 years, not knowing if she would ever see the reality that that the Messiah would come. She was blessed with the opportunity to see the Messiah come. Are we willing to begin to pray and fast now, even if all of us in this room, except for the children, don't see the Lord bring about revival? Are we willing to labor and pray and fast that the Lord might move, even if we don't see it? Do we believe that God loves us? Do we believe that God is truly good? Do we believe that God really wants to bring about revival? Our prayer lives will show it. And to be honest, mine doesn't. May the Lord convict me and draw me more and more into prayer and fasting. And this year, I want all of us to join together and to put our hope more so into passages like Isaiah 49. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of loss and pain, may we set our hope not in that thing being fixed, though that's not a bad thing to want and to ask for, but more so in the reality that God has come and that he is expanding his kingdom. And may we labor in prayer and fasting to see revival come. And maybe, should the Lord be gracious, we will get to see, like Anna, the answer to our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the opportunity to gather What a blessing it is to be able to come into this very old building and to be able to worship you.
to be able to worship you freely, to be able to gather without fear of persecution. What a blessing it is to come together and to be encouraged by you. Father, I pray that you would encourage us this year. Continue to reveal your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, we are so prone to forgetting how good you are. We are so prone to forgetting how, how much you love us. We are so prone to forget that you cause all things to work out for good. Lord, forgive us of that and strengthen us. Lord, we believe but help our pray for, for the city of Houston. We pray, pray for this neighborhood, Montrose. Father, we pray that you would bring about revival. We pray that you would open the hearts of people that are far from you, that they might see that you are God, that they might see that you have brought about not judgment, but salvation. And may they come and accept that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Thank you for this time together, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.